0: Hello, I'm John Penry from Dairy Australia, and welcome to our 100th episode of DairyPod. To mark this milestone, we're looking to the future, focusing on ag tech and the dairy industry and the role it can play in helping farmers become more efficient and profitable. In this episode, Dairy Australia's Head of Innovation, Emily Samu, is joined by Michael Macalino from SVG Thrive, Aurora Dairy's Matt Macon, and Devon Sutar from Alternate Energy Innovations. They discuss their ag tech experiences and how startup businesses can best connect with dairy farmers, plus the advice they have for those who are looking to adopt innovative technology on their farm.
1: In a time where the world is facing increasing economic, social and environmental challenges, industries including Dairy Australia are becoming more reliant on technological advancements to assist in continually improving productivity and sustainability. Hi, I'm Emily the Head of Innovation at Dairy Australia. And here to help me today unpack today's topic around the role of agtech tech in dairy, I'm joined by Matt Makin from Aurora Dairies, Devon Souter from AEI, and Michael Macalino from SVG Thrive. Thanks for being here today, guys.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: Let me start with you, Matt. Um, now, you work for one of the biggest uh, dairying farm businesses in the country, Aurora Dairies. Tell us a bit about Aurora and your role.
3: So, Aurora... Uh, is an owner, an operator, I guess, of over fifty farms now, spanning uh, Victoria, Tasmania, and New Zealand, and South Australia. And those uh, dairy farms operate um, in a different variety of models, from but mostly pasture-based, and um, sort of headquartered in Melbourne, and have quite a extensive. Um, support network, uh, quite a comprehensive management team, really focused on driving these farms to maximise profitability. Uh, it's quite an exciting company to be involved with, and um, as a my, my original trade was a veterinarian, so I've sort of morphed those veterinary animal health skills into being in, into helping Aurora drive their innovation strategy, uh, which is really focused on a lot of the topics that we're going to talk about today.
1: Terrific. And Devon, you're the CEO and co-founder of AEI. Um, Tell us a bit about AEI and um, what you're doing in the dairy industry and your journey as an innovator.
4: Yeah, so AEI, you might say, sort of bridges ag tech and energy tech and um, has been built off the back of my father Steve's uh, systems and automation engineering experience. So AEI's Technology is a, is a behind the energy meter solution that uh, integrates irrigation processes with energy costs dynamics. So uh, to try, trying to allow farmers to um, reduce their energy consumption, um, save time and, and labor costs on the farm, but then also collectively try to unlock the ability for farmers to participate in the emerging energy marketplace.
1: Sounds amazing. Um, Michael, uh, you've had extensive experience as both an innovator and working for organisations that support the startup community. Uh, can you tell us a bit about yourself, your journey, and um, SVG Thrive, the company you now head up for APAC?
2: Yeah, thanks, Emily. Uh, so I started uh, as an entrepreneur when I was 21. So I had 15 years as an entrepreneur. Uh, I built five businesses. Uh, Over that time, and then uh, sort of back in 2017, I decided that uh, I'd had enough uh, and uh, wanted to be more behind the scenes. And I'd been doing some mentoring uh, around that time and and was really enjoying being more behind the scenes with startups and helping startups. Um, So I started a a sort of process of stepping back from my own businesses and and actually working with companies. Um, The first way I did that was as the um, lead for Agri Food Tech at BDO, the accounting and advisory firm. Uh, So, I did that for five years and uh, then about 12 months ago, uh, SVG Ventures Thrive and the Victorian government formed a partnership um, to bring SVG Thrive to Victoria uh, and the broader APAC region um, from Silicon Valley where we're headquartered uh, and I came on board to to head up um, that that expansion. Uh, So, in Australia, uh, we we run an accelerator program that's focused on uh, growth stage agri-food tech companies. Uh, we also work with uh, a range of corporate partners globally uh, in, in Australia. Dairy Australia is one of those corporate partners that we've uh, commenced uh, working with. And uh, we're starting the process of, of looking at investment opportunities and making investments um, out of our, our US can, uh, Canada fund.
1: Amazing. Um, I guess agtech tech has become uh, a really big topic, both domestically and globally. And we're seeing more and more of it um, occurring. Uh, yeah, both domestically and globally. I mean, Michael, where would you see or where do you see Australia's ag tech sector comparatively to the rest of the world?
2: Yeah, so I've got a good view of where we are. Actually, a couple of weeks ago, um, I was over in the US. Uh, we had our uh, annual Global Impact Summit. So we had 25 uh, agri-food tech companies from around the world actually at that summit presenting to our corporate partners and it gave me a really good uh, insight into I suppose, where there is opportunity for Australian ag tech and also, you know, I think where there are some deficiencies. Um, What I saw over the COVID period is that keeping the agri-tech companies on the island, as I like to say, and and sort of making it so there was two years where they really had to focus on Australian agriculture and Australian companies enabled them to really develop their products. We saw some really good technology develop over that time. Um, But what it actually did do is it kind of stifled their growth. And the nature of our industry in Australia is that companies can get to a level of scale, a level of revenue, uh, but they do need external capital uh, and they do need to enter international markets in order to reach that next level of scale. And that has become really apparent. And that's one of the areas that we're focused on. Um, So I think where we are as an ecosystem in Australia is that we have a lot of companies that are have the potential to be good 20 to $40 million agri-food tech companies at scale. Um, and they have the ability to run quite healthy, you know, you know most of the time, cash flow positive businesses serving Australian agribusiness. But in order for them to attract the investment um, globally, that's going to enable them to create more of a platform approach to their technologies and really scale up with the businesses and, and get into businesses, you know, that are, Uh, you know, operating across the scale of something like Aurora Dairies, you know, these companies need to think think much more global, um, think much more about their their channels to market. Uh, A lot of companies in Australia are thinking about going direct to the farmer and going one farmer at a time, but that becomes very hard to scale. It becomes very hard to support. Uh, And as a result, we've seen this sort of... um, you know uh, lack of, i wouldn't say lack of interest but lack of satisfaction from australian agriculture with a lot of the agritech solutions that are on the market so really where we're at now is we're trying to say to australian agritech you need to think global um and we're thinking global that opens up new business models and it opens up a huge range of new capital solutions um and we hope that by by sort of you know bringing those two things together we get Australian agri-tech companies that are competing uh, on the global stage and and really, you know, entering the US and Canada market. We see that as a primary objective.
1: Matt, from your perspective, um, obviously having multiple farm businesses, does agtech play a big role in improving productivity and sustainability outcomes for Aurora?
3: It certainly does. And I don't think Aurora's challenges are are very much different from any dairy enterprise. Um, And whenever we consider a piece of technology or an innovation, we, we kind of ask ourselves a few questions. Firstly, is it going to make us more efficient? Secondly, is it going to help us manage risk? Thirdly, are the questions around its impact on productivity. And those three combine to form profit. And so, so whether it, so the efficiency risk productivity questions um, are, are just so important for modern dairy farms as they compete on the international stage. We've got to be as efficient as we can. We've got to manage risk, and we've got to get us maximum productivity out of our out of our animals and pastures. So, going forward, I very much see that the the next leap in terms of dairy farm performance and agriculture performance more broadly is going to be around innovation and more specifically and potentially data management. So that, that's where we sort of see the world moving quite quickly. Um, so think thinking that, you know, we're going to be able to easily improve productivity by 10% through a pasture improvement or through an animal, animal improvement or through milk harvesting improvement by themselves is is quite unlikely, but um, when you can combine those together, to the to us, that, that's where the future gains are going to be.
1: Do you think there are a lot of innovators looking at um, those solutions in that kind of combination at the moment? Or do you think there's opportunity for more of that to be occurring?
3: I think there is an opportunity for more of it. And I think, I, I mean, we get approached quite regularly by, Innovative companies, startups, and and more mature ones with a with a product or service offering. And uh, my message to them often is is you've got to bring it back to those three elements because if it doesn't tick one, two, or three of those boxes so efficiency, risk, or productivity, then it's unlikely to be hugely successful in the industry. So I, I do think we need to, you know, and that's quite a simple message um, that sometimes i think companies that approach us probably haven't put a lot of thought into they might have this brilliant idea that that can be quite niche but they've got to link it to those three um if, if they can do that there's there's quite a sweet spot there and a real opportunity to have their product or service expand at scale quite quickly um yeah but so so i do i would encourage them all to think a bit more along those lines, because particularly in the corporate dairy farm space, it's it's the ROI. You know, it's 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 got to provide an economic return, or it's not going to happen. And mm. you know, I, I think most dairy farms are sort of in that space nowadays too. That that's you know, you don't do things just for the sake of it. Um, and and I think that's a, that's a great space for the industry to be heading down.
1: Mm. On that point, Kevin. As an innovator, I mean, uh, what have you seen as some of the key challenges you've experienced in trying to get your technology solution out there to farms like um, businesses like Matt?
4: Yeah, I think I think Matt touched on it just then. In terms of, I guess every piece of ag tech has its sort of unique value proposition for the farmer, but um, farms can be quite complex in in different arrays of tech applications that you need to consider how your tech fits in with the overall you know implementation of um, tech across the entire operation and then one of the challenges as an early stage innovator is trying to work out of the other tech providers who you could not necessarily compete with but collaborate with which of those are going to potentially be the winners because, if the market's a bit saturated with ag tech, and you, and you, you collaborate and partner with those um, who don't have um, the same views on the need to collaborate, you could you could be partnering with the wrong people, and that can only stall your growth. So, trying to work out who are the leaders in the space, but also have an open mind to collaboration, can then allow you to sort of leverage um, those those partnerships to to achieve scale. More quickly off the back of um, existing trust and customer base.
1: I mean, in this day and age, it seems like there's no ideas are in no shortage. Um, Matt, what do you what does Aurora look for in terms of um, when you've got one company and another company coming to you with their ideas? Obviously, you've got your um, key requirements in which they need to meet. But how do you then go about, you know, trialling that on-farm or implementing those solutions on-farm?
3: Yeah, that's a really good question, Emily. And like ha- having a great piece of tech is is the first step, right? But there's two even more critical steps after that. One is, and Michael touched on this, is your ability to service across a wide geographic area, and th- th- again, this is the same for the family farm as it is for for Aurora. That your service provider has got to be able to provide backup service, and you know this equipment's operating in harsh environments often, um, and most equipment breaks down, you know, whether whether we like it or not. So, th- so that uh, we really look for that ability to provide post-sale service and support. Absolutely critical. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: The the, the second element, which is equally important, is around people. Again, you can have the greatest piece of tech, but if there's no well-defined change management process on farm to get the staff on board, to get them using the technology, um, it invariably fails. And that is probably something a little bit unique about Aurora is, is as opposed to the modern dairy farm, you know, the modern dairy farmer can make a decision. A family farmer can just make a decision off the bat. They're responsible for it and they're accountable for it in, in a corporate environment. They're still responsible and accountable, but the process, um, is, is a little bit more, uh, cumbersome if, if that's the word, but invariably We've got to have systems so that the people can adopt the technology. Um, and I've, you know, I've made mistakes in 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 putting systems on farm and not having that right people support and people change management process in place. Um, and and you end up wasting money. So, yeah. Th- so thought into that post sales service question and thought into that change management human HR question um, are, are equally critical. To the success of of any piece of tech,
1: mm. and Michael, obviously, you know, wearing your accelerator hat, uh, what role what role do you would you say SVG thrive plays between innov- industry and innovators um, to ensure that you know they're getting that farm businesses are getting that full package, um, and you know, as an investment firm, how are you assessing investment opportunities? For Australian dairy
2: farms? Yeah, so the uh, accelerator is one of the main mechanisms uh, that we use to get to know a company, uh, add value to that company and see where there's opportunity for our broader ecosystem. So one of the main reasons that we, we operate these accelerators is to get closer to companies. And, you know, a lot of people think you meet a company, they do a pitch, you're so enamoured with their performance, you write them a cheque and, you know, you sort of sail off into the sunset. In ag tech, there's a lot more nuance to it. Um, and a big part of that is industry and is our corporate partners. So where the accelerator interfaces with our corporate partners is that we have corporate partners such as Kubota, uh, such as United Farmers of Alberta, Dairy Australia, you know, Bayer, Corteva, you know, these are the largest agribusinesses in the world. And what they're doing is coming to us every year and giving us their objectives giving us their strategy and saying this is what we're looking to bring into our organization to enable efficiencies this is what we see as um, strategically aligned that we'd like to acquire we would like to make investments for Uh, and this is where in the likes of dairy australia or united farmers of alberta this is where our stakeholders are saying to us we need help and we need solutions Uh, and as our representatives go out there and find that so The accelerator plays multiple roles. It's a validation tool for us for investments, but it's also an interface with industry. And I've been around the agri-food tech uh, ecosystem in Australia for five or six years. And what has always been missing is this interface between the startups and large agri-business. There's been plenty of early adopter, sort of um, family-owned farms that have been um, amazing in their enthusiasm and early adoption but they don't provide the level of scale to really stress test these innovations uh, and get them to a level of commercial viability and scale that brings in the capital. Um, So what we're trying to bring to the to the ecosystem across Australia uh, and New Zealand in our sort of uh, operations here is really getting them to connect with our corporate partners. And we saw that uh, last week when we were in the US. uh, I had three Australian um, agri-tech company, agri tech companies with me, we made introductions to the likes of Driscoll's, Western Growers, Valmont, um, and those interactions were, I think for these startups, incredibly valuable because they saw the scale at which an organisation such as Valmont operates. They've got 150,000 pivots um, dotted across the world, and if you have uh, a technology, a data technology or an image capturing technology or a sensor and you can then deploy it onto 150,000 uh, pivots through a partnership such as, you know, something with Valmont or Valley Irrigation, all of a sudden your commercialization, business model, technology roadmap, everything changes. So what we've seen in Australia is that there is this very much, um, you know, Australia-centric focus on business model and technology growth. And what we're trying to do, and, and we're definitely you know, pushing up against some challenges and trying to articulate this is that in order to drastically influence the way and, and have uh, our food system operates and have these step changes in innovation that Matt alluded to, you need to think global and it needs to be a partnership approach between, you know, uh, the technology providers, between research, capital, agribusiness. Everyone has to work together to enable all of this to work. So that's definitely what we're trying to do with the accelerator. It's not... Not about sort of just, you know, having a demo day and, you know, everyone gets a round of applause and, you know, everyone's happy. That's definitely a part of it. But we're trying to make real meaningful impact, um, you know, through these corporate partnerships and through capital.
1: Devin, so from your perspective as an innovator, I guess, what, what's been effective channels to market for you for AEI? Um, how have you approached early adopters of your technology? And how do you think it's going to change as you scale?
4: Yeah, I think I mean we're we're located in in Gippsland, so we, we are lucky that we um, have a, a number of early adopters sort of on our on our doorstep, and that that's certainly helped us helped us to to you know pilot and and trial the products with some some open minded local farmers. But yeah, we certainly see um, you know when when we in, in in a quest to scale to to a completely different level the the need um for those partnerships that I spoke about before that that you just won't achieve it with without those so um I think there's in our tech in particular the the ability to integrate um the energy management aspect with the uh water and irrigation management side of things is is key um just as an example but um the, the challenge is not just across dairy but others every different type of farming also has different nuances so the ability to scale across multiple agriculture sectors even outside of dairy is important so you kind of need to have a good grasp of not just dairy but but what what your tech does in in a cropping scenario what it does in a in a vertical farming scenario in our case or what it does in a um, cotton farm you know scenario or Um, to achieve scale, not just across the dairy sector, but across ag in general.
1: And how how are you going about validating um, that technology across the various different sectors?
4: Yeah, I mean, we're we're on the energy side, um, just accessing um, some knowledge of the the operations alongside of energy use interval data probably gives us enough information to, to sort of understand what the energy profile looks um, for different types of agriculture. And then um, Steve, uh, our CTO, will, will, will typically run a, a bit of a uh, an algorithm across the farming um, entity, and, and that'll allow us to spit out some numbers that will tell us how effective it will be in different scenarios. And typically for us, it's, it's those who have a combination of um, High energy use, but also the ability to um, vary their load and shift their load to different periods of the day, and and the more that happens, the more effective the tech can be. But not just on the energy side, it's also those who don't um, take action on trying to reduce those energy costs now. So those who are set in their ways a touch, or they they're fairly manual. Um, not having the ability to switch something on and off remotely is is also a reason for implementing the tech so there's a couple of sides sides to how effective the implementation can be in different in different settings so it can it can differ in different uh parts of the ag ag world but but it can also differ just farmer to to farmer i
3: think emily just i i think there's a really consistent theme here and what we're all saying around scale and the ability to scale and i I often feel like we're at this this stage in in the tech evolution where we've got lots of small enterprises with with great ideas great commitment and dedication probably limited funds um, that need need a mechanism by which they can achieve scale now whether that's through cooperation or the likes of uh, SVG support or, or whatever um i think it's a it's a real challenge that aurora sees consistently that that we want a solution that we that we know you can provide support for that we know we can roll out across multiple states and you can do it relatively quickly um and we're happy to to form a really strong robust partnership in that process so that doesn't leave anyone financially too exposed but it's like there's a real there's a bit of a, a a drought in that middle sort of middle enterprise space and michael i just i'm quite curious to know is is that an australian thing or am i interpreting it correctly do you sort of agree with that concept
2: yeah 100 um I think one of the reasons for that is that a lot of the time in early commercialization and the early uh, formation of these companies, um, what we're trying to do is say to them, every company can be a billion dollar unicorn. Um, every company you know, can be global. And the reality is that there's only a very, very small percentage um, that can, can do that, mainly because their business model, their technology and their size of the market uh, justify that sort of pursuit um but unfortunately in our ecosystem we've sent a huge amount of companies down this uh down this wrong road um and that's where we get this mediocre sort of middle where you know they're alive they're able to do something but they're never really able to scale and they're never really able to really solve the customer point so what we're trying to sort of articulate is that if you're a company that can be you know a 20 to 30 million dollar enterprise you're an sme um structure yourself like that and and form partnerships. And it doesn't necessarily mean that one piece of technology uh, equals one business. Uh, you may find that you get the technology two or three years down the road, and that's a really good time to sell into a larger agribusiness that's got the infrastructure to scale what you're doing. So I think that we've taken in our ecosystem in Australia, a very simplistic, almost Silicon Valley-esque type approach to scaling agritech um and that's completely misaligned with the realities of australian agriculture Um, and that's definitely something we're trying to um you know inform that narrative you know there i've i've often been told you know we're looking for billion dollar agri-tech companies and i've asked the question to people name one and they can't and that's because the majority of ag tech exits ag tech um you know outcomes that exist globally have got to about 300 to 400 million dollars 300 to 400 million dollars seems to be the exit at which a larger agribusiness comes and purchases the um the the enterprise um we don't have a lot of ipos uh and the ipos that we have had have generally been sort of alternative proteins and those ipos have performed po- poorly um after after ipo so if we if we look at this from a purely you know capitalistic perspective. You have a an enterprise that you know. we need to justify the amount of capital that goes into it. This isn't a consumer tech business where you can funnel tens of millions of dollars into it and have this multi-billion dollar outcome. We're talking about very capital intensive uh, uh, companies to create. We're talking about very complex supply chains. We're talking about very fragmented um, markets and sectors within agriculture. And we need to create an ecosystem that funds, commercialises, supports and scales these companies that's appropriate for the industry in which it operates. Uh, and currently there's a mismatch.
1: So, Matt, as as, as a farm business, I guess um, we're coming to the end of uh, the, the podcast. But what what advice would you like to offer innovators looking to develop solutions for the dairy industry?
3: I think firstly be be really clear about your product offering and how it can answer one of those or of those three questions around efficiency, risk, or productivity. It's got to be a really clear business case. I think the other part is um, I think dairy farmers and farmers quite generally in Australia are really good at deciphering verbose diarrhea for want of a better term. So, so, so if you try and spin your way through a transaction with a dairy farmer, they're, they're pretty cluey. They are pretty good senses going on. So you've, you've got to, just got to be really honest and transparent about transparent about your capability and the economics around it. And, um, And and I think that'll get you 90% of the the way there. The the other part is, is I also think there's a, there's a personality, there's a a relationship component to it as well, which is, which we shouldn't underestimate. Um, I think often, and, and this has been proven time and time again in agriculture is, is there a lot of peer to peer recommendations have a lot of value and relationships and personalities, um, Are important so if you just after the transaction and you disappear the next day you're you're going to have a pretty short future i think in australian ag um so Mm -hmm. they're probably the themes i'd i'd suggest people focus on
1: from your perspective michael um what would your advice be to innovators who have great ideas but perhaps aren't sure what to do with them
2: so the first one would be um get as close to the customer as possible um When I, I don't come from an agricultural background, uh, but when I started to form an interest in it back in 2017, I spent 18 months, two years, um, not actually doing anything, but actually going to field days, to grower days, to having opportunities to speak to farmers, to listening to podcasts, to reading reports. I consumed as much information as possible uh, to form my opinion before I had an opinion. And the companies that we've seen be successful the ones that are developing their technology where they're literally sleeping in a swag outside a food processing you know an abattoir or a feedlot or a a grain silo you know in the middle of harvest you shouldn't be in a a co-working space you should be in the field you know finding a way to basically get as close to the problem that you're trying to solve as possible Um, and by far we've seen that the companies that are successful the ones that are, are getting that close to the customer because as matt has said There are a lot of problems in Australian agriculture that they're looking for solutions for, uh, but if you can't prove that return on investment, uh, you're not going to get very far. And the best way to prove that return on investment is to be able to get close enough to quantify it with your target customer. Um, So that would be my my key piece of advice.
1: That's great advice. And Devon, what words of wisdom would you have for your fellow startup innovators out there that would help them on their journey?
4: Yeah, I think I think I would agree with both um, Matt and Michael in that you do need to understand that target customer really well. And we started AEI uh, in twenty eighteen. So to get to the point we're at now, we've spent, you know, five years developing a tech and an understanding of, of agriculture, having also not come from from agriculture backgrounds. And um that that's certainly step number one is you, you need to understand that that target customer and and you do need to think about that after sales service certainly in uh, the the energy side that we're blending with um, farmers have often either been uh, burnt in the past or been served that diarrhea that matt spoke about um, and had a bad experience and and someone potentially has rolled onto their side and installed a, a a renewable asset and and never to be seen again um, and unfortunately, sometimes that means anyone who's selling something that combines energy and ag tech gets lumped into the same group as, as those people. Um, so, from our point of view at AEI, we we understand the need to create a a, a community between the users and and some um, education to to the marketplace around how the tech can be applied, but also how the farming operation can be moulded to suit the tech. And I think that's certainly one side that, that we see is that, yes, ag tech will, um, it will alter the agriculture sector, but the agriculture sector also has to potentially make changes to operations to, to suit the ag tech that's available. And, and I think the combination of both of those steps will produce the best outcome. I think if we're going to continue to operate in agriculture the way we are and expect that the technology will solve all those solutions. I think, in my opinion, that that's probably the wrong way of thinking about it. And I think there needs to be a bit of give and take on both sides to find the best outcome.
1: Well, Matt, Michael, Devin, thanks so much today for your insights. They've been really valuable in understanding the role of ag tech in dairy. And thanks for taking the time and joining me here for this 100th episode of Dairy Pod podcast.
3: You're
4: welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Emily.
0: We hope that you have enjoyed the 100th episode of DairyPod. If you would like to find out more about how Dairy Australia is supporting the dairy industry with new ideas into practice, please visit the About section on the Dairy Australia website where you can find the Investing in Innovation page. This link can also be found in the episode notes. If you have any questions or ideas for future episodes, you can get in contact with us by emailing dairypod at dairyaustralia.com.au. Thanks very much for listening and bye for now.